I said, you know, this is not right and left. This is free or not free. Welcome to Far North Toker. This is episode 62, August 13th, 2017. Your host, Mid Toker. Thank you all for listening. Today, political show, Libertarian Party. We have John Briggs Watts, chair of the Alaskan Libertarian Party, with us here today. Whew. This interview, one thing I'm trying to learn in interviewing people is just let them talk. I'm writing down notes as John is going, trying to come back to it. He's off to something else. Okay, come back to that. Try to come back to that. Okay, he's talking, he's talking, he's talking. Off to that, off to that. Whew. What a, what a show. One of the fun things that happened today, I hope stay tuned through the whole show. At the end, we do Ask a Libertarian. John Watts, we asked different regulations and how libertarians would handle them. Uh, libertarianism is such a good fit for cannabis. We have the non-aggression principle. Don't initiate force against others. Negative rights. Just the right to be left alone. Just, I'm not bothering anybody. Don't bother me. Self-ownership. You have the right to do to your body what you feel your body needs, wants. What happens to your body is your decision. But there's also responsibility for those choices. As you'll hear in today's interview with John, we go through all of that. The man has lots of ideas. He'll be back again. Let's go. Welcome to Far North Tokers. John Briggs Watts, chair of the Alaska Libertarian Party. So excited to have you here today. This brings the show to to a different level. I think not to diminish any of previous guests that I've had or any future guests I may have, but the I we this is a whole new realm. We the sphere of influence is broadening. Far North Tokers having you here today, John, so thank you. Awesome. Well, you know, really, I have to say, you know, in all, you know, humility as far as the influence goes, um, I think the real, real point to be made here is we're part of a, you know, really a worldwide renaissance, you know, where basically individuals are getting to decide the path of their own life and make their own choices as opposed to, you know, systems of control telling them what they can or can't do or uh, how they're going to live their lives and so forth. And whether it be uh, from a social context or whether it be from a, you know, uh, a political context. I mean, I think we're all going forward together on this, you know, and I'm just excited to, to have the privilege of being around at a time like this. I mean, it's just, it's all about to unfold and, you know, in our own ways, each of us. I mean, I think the, you know, the cannabis constituency, I guess you could say, is really, you know, leading the charge on, you know, what individuals are going to decide for themselves. And uh, there's a great organization, the Tenth Amendment Center. I don't know if you're familiar with it, but uh, no. run by an awesome guy, Michael Bolden. He, he, he said some time ago, he said, if the gun owners really had the courage of the pot smokers, you know, he said, you wouldn't have all these draconian gun laws over the, all over the country. You know, because they just do it. They're just going to go ahead and live their life. And that's, you know, really ought to, how it ought to happen. So, I'm, you know, in that sense, in the individual freedom sense, uh, I'm proud of you guys. 
and, and you're awesome and you're out there doing it, you know, where a lot of people talk about it and complain. You're just out there hitting the road and making it happen, and that's awesome. I, I'm smiling ear to ear right now. This this idea of the in, like uh, the intelligent self-determination, right, in the brain, ideas, that with uh, Internet and right now, and we are able to affect law. This has never been done before. Well, I'm sure it's been done before, but not. This it, is crazy. Not in my life to have, to affect law this way and create create a whole industry. Right, and and basically, you know, sometimes, you know, some will say, you know, it's better to ask forgiveness than to ask permission. Sometimes, you don't have to ask at all. You just have to go do. You know, that's pretty much, pretty much what you guys have been doing. And I mean, personal history as a libertarian. I mean, I. Really, where it, it, it all started, I guess, is where I swore to the Constitution as a military member when I first joined the Air Force. And I said, well, you know, if I'm swearing to something, I really should have an understanding of what it is. So I really studied it, you know, and actually read it and so on and so forth. And when you take it down to its, its essence, especially, you know, when you look at the Bill of Rights, it's all about the individual and the protection of, of individual rights. And, um, you know, one of the things democracies, you know, when you turn, use the term democracy, has, has historically had a problem with is the majority, whoever they are, um, you know, basically imposing their will on everyone else. You know, two wolves and a sheep voting on who's going to be for dinner, you know. Democracy. <laughs> so, for instance, when you have, you know, cannabis issues or, you know, who's going to marry who or... Um, you know, uh, uh, what kind of guns you're allowed to have or any kind of things that you're doing that you're not harming anyone else. Uh, who is it exactly that gets to decide, uh, you know, these things? Like Milton Freeman says, they questioned him on the, the proper role of government and so forth. And he said, well, who, are, who exactly are these angels that are going to arrange all of these things? He said, uh, you, know, uh, you know, I can barely trust myself you know, to, to decide these things. So how can, you know, some majority group of people decide it for me? And so it goes, you know, with the, you know, cannabis legalization, for example, you know, people are acting in their own uh, self-interest. And, you know, I, I was a Reagan supporter and, a, you know, myself and a, a Republican for years and years. And I later understood, you know, I got involved in the Tea Party and all of that. But then I bumped up against the, you know, the Occupy folks, and it, it, it just all of a sudden clicked. I said, you know, this is not right and left. This is free or not free, you know? And that's really awesome. So really, I, I think the hurdle that the you know larger population needs to get past is that, you know, we're all well and good with our personal freedoms. But what we really have trouble with sometimes is allowing the freedoms to say that we don't like or that other people might enjoy. I mean, me personally, I mean, I'm not a cannabis consumer. I mean, it's just not practical for me. And, uh, you know, at this point, and, uh, but is it, it is up, is it up to me to impose my lifestyle on others? Certainly don't not. You know, talking about a revolution sounds Don't you know talking about a revolution you know so it's letting the other guy be free that's really really the point and then of course you know moving into the full libertarian movement um 
it, it was just a natural fit there because, I mean, you've got three main elements to that. One, you know, the non-aggression principle where you don't force anybody to do anything, you know, ultimately. I mean, it's not pacifism. I mean, ultimately, you uh, it, it does support self-defense, of course. And then the idea of negative individual rights. In other words, I have the right to be left alone. And so do you. If you're not harming or bothering anybody, you have the right to be left alone. And then... Let's, uh, let's, let's, right there, John, that's, that's been my definition of what libertarianism is. Can, in a sentence, can you give, what is the definition of that first? What is libertarian? Because mine well, has been right there, what you said. If you're, you're not, not hurting sorry, anybody, so, leave me alone. Yeah, so I'll make it, break it down into three elements. One, the non-aggression principle. I mean, you don't initiate force against other people. And, you know, I mean, governments and systems tend to do that. I mean, they make people do things. You know, they initiate laws. And, you know, you can go back to Rousseau and you can go to, uh, you know, our own development of the Constitution as a social contract, quote unquote. But honestly, every time they write a law, they force people to do new things. And it's kind of like Darth Vader. You know, I've altered the deal. Pray I don't alter it further, you know, kind of thing. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You know, I mean, again, not forcing people to do things, uh, not harming people and not taking their stuff, right? And then the negative right aspect. In other words, they have the right to be left alone, you know, not uh, uh, have things imposed on them. And finally, the final element that's pretty important is the idea of self-ownership. In other words, you own yourself. So if you decide, hey, I'm going to put a particular thing into my body, you know, that's my business, you know, and then, of course, that's also my responsibility, you know, so if a person, say, makes bad choices and, you know, there's consequences from that, it's not up to the rest of the society to solve that problem for them, you know, kind of thing. But, uh, you know, I mean, if you're truly in a free society, you should have the freedom to make erroneous decisions as well as the proper decisions. And when it comes to what a proper decision is, you know, the question is, who gets to decide that? So when it comes to force or coercion or making people do things, that's just not the libertarian way of, of doing things. You know, ours is, is all about, you know, the individual getting to decide for themselves as long as they're not harming anyone else. That goes right to Proposition 1 and A in Fairbanks City and Borough, how enough signatures were gathered. And which is a cool aspect of this, that was part of Ballot Measure 2, allowing uh, areas to opt out. All these businesses are being set up and now here comes this second wave of signatures being gathered and now that's being voted on so how how do you th how does a libertarian feel about that we've got where they're allowed to do it through the ballot measure but they're voting is that this negative rights idea voting something away from someone well not not really i mean basically um, you know, even the founders of the United States realized, you notice in the Constitution and in the Declaration of Independence, nowhere does it mention democracy because they've seen Athenian democracies and uh, Greek democracies and so forth that uh, basically when the majority can decide anything, I mean, ultimately they can decide to force people to their will kind of deal. So. Uh, it, it can also be problematic as far as that goes, you know, but that's where uh, often you hear people complain about, well, I'm not I'm not as free as I'd like to be. Well, that's where you actually have to get out there and participate and become part of the process, how to get involved. I mean, you go down and you see folks with your 
types of organizations that get involved with it. And, you know, just about everything's driven by self-interest. So you can participate in that kind of way, go down to the borough and the various other organizations. I mean, one of the things you know, my plate was just too full on what I really would have liked to have seen is, and maybe you can tell me about uh, some folks that have, have, have gotten involved, but some of those borough seats, you know, occupied by those who are going to, uh, you know, actually protect the rights of others, such as yourselves, that uh, are interested in developing such businesses and bringing that economic benefit and so on and so forth. So right. uh, do you have pro-cannabis representatives on the on the borough that, or in the city that can help you out with that? Well, right now, who's running? We, we've got three seats open and there's a lot of people running. Christopher Quist is running again. You know, he's the incumbent there against Hank Bartos is coming out of the out of the woodwork in the shadows to, to come. He's like, uh, how do, he almost feels like the ancient gladiator being pulled back out to fight for um, anti-cannabis. Uh, so, I, yeah, I would say Hank Bartos is n no friend. I don't know that for sure. I just I guess that's a bad assumption. Um, th I. There's... But that's really that, see that's really what it ends up. I mean, I mean, there's a certain faction within the libertarians that are for zero government, you know. But the trouble is, uh, someone will always pick up, as we say, the the gun of government, the force, and be forcing people to do other things. So, as Lysander Spooner once said in his essay, um, uh, "No Treason," basically, um, that. You have no choice but to, to defend yourself with the tool of government. So. Uh, basically, that's the position that uh, folks are in, that they have to step up to the plate and participate and sit in these seats. I mean, me, you know, I hate to say, but my, my plate's pretty full. I mean, I had thought about it, but, uh, you know, we've got the whole state to get going and, and get libertarians in, in the seats all over the state. And then as a business owner and also, you know, a family man with, with you know, teenagers, you know, and so forth. Uh, but I... I, th I think you know people can't just sit there and say, "Oh, this is this is terrible that this is happening." Uh, they have to get up and, you know, they may be forced to you know defend themselves through law, as you say, you know, and uh, you know, kind of uh, have fair representation of the of the constituency out there. Right. If if they don't decide, someone will decide for them. Someone will stand up and take that that role, that fist, the weapon of government, as you put it. Right. And you know, then, nature abhors a vacuum, you mm -hmm. know, so somebody will pick it up and point it at you. Uh, and it's 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 unfortunate that it has to be that way. But, you know, have you have ideologically driven folks that believe that uh, a certain path has to be followed and they're certainly willing to, uh, you know, impose that on others. And what, you know, I find somewhat humorous is a lot of these people uh, uh, self-style themselves as libertarians. And I'm like, what? You know, if you're using the force of law to make people be you, you're not a libertarian, you know, period, you know? Oh, wow. Forced law to make people be you. No kidding. That gets back to that idea of freedom. It's so easy to want to do whatever you want to do, but so hard to give it to someone else. Right. And you'll say, oh, well, you want to live this lifestyle or you want to uh, have this particular, you know, tool or whatever. Or you want to, you know, put this or that into your body. There's cancer cures that are happening in different countries that because of our laws, 
um, our citizens aren't allowed to have that, so they get to die. You know, I mean, what kind of free country is that? You are free to do as we tell you. You are free to do as we tell you. And I'm, and I'm sure you remember. They used to say, oh, well, it's a free country. It's a free country. You notice how nobody says that anymore? Yeah, no kidding. Little you know, kid. only, yeah, I, I wonder if even little kids say it anymore. You know, and the cure for that is to make it so, to participate, to get involved, to uh, make it a free country again. In other words, no, you're not going to impose that on others. You're just not. Yes. So, participation, so, participation. Right. You know, so, I mean, it's, it, is, it, is it difficult? Is it, you know, uh, challenging? Do you get a lot of criticism? Sure you do, you know, but uh, have you ever watched that show John Adams? with uh sure. yeah you know um i mean he said you know basically i have to be a politician so my my son can study philosophy and be a mathematician and so forth you know uh, so, so take, take so, the war now to me so my sons don't have to you're exactly you know yeah. so um i remember i was i was out at a you know rally and i was running for congress at the time and i and i talked to a a guy at a native gathering and you know i could spot him he was a leader you know and I said, you know, you really ought to get out there and, you know, run for office and, you know, step into one of these seats and you could really make a difference. He, and he said, well, I don't want to be around those people. <laughs> uh, so so I said, yeah, I totally get it. But sometimes you just have to you yeah, know? bring your friends and start making. Yeah, isn't that, is, oh, man, that's what we just said. Uh, using law to make uh, others you. That's what we're trying to do with the government, <clears throat> with our own government. Right. Make it all right. libertarian. You know, but, you know, a story I tell libertarians is I spent a certain amount of time in Germany. And, you know, invariably the uh, new guys would show up and uh, they asked. I was, you know, married to a German lady at the time. And, you know, I had German relatives and was pretty deep into the culture there. And uh, they would ask the older German guys, well, hey, when all this was going bad, you know, back in the 30s, what did you do about it to stop it? You know, kind of thing. And... You know, they didn't understand how it slowly crept up on them and so on and so forth. But they said once they finally realized there was a problem, um, you know, it was pretty severe consequences for, you know, taking action about it and so forth. But when my grandchildren ask me that question, you know, I'm going to be able to tell them, you know, I, I did the best I could, you Don't know, and I got out there in front of it. Talking about a revolution sounds don't you know talking about and you know I think people are waking up though you know whether it whether it's the you know cannabis question or whether it's the you know any other issue um, people are starting to realize hey you know I get to decide they don't get to decide you know and so the the you know people are seeing the matrix you know in a sense and then once you once you realize that as I'm sure you've noticed the whole world changes you know everything looks the same but it's totally different, you know, and you realize, I guess it becomes a calling. I mean, you have to, in a sense. I mean, and I'm sure with your show that you have here and with the business that you do, uh, you find yourself driven to press on and do it. And that's what's going to make the difference. You know, everybody on an individual level uh, doing that, you know. It is. Uh, yeah. Uh, just able to do what you want to do. The, the, make a show. Uh, open a business, ha, ha, not open a business, not open a show, not not bother people, right? Right, and I think, you know, and I think also something to consider, too. 
I mean, I was talking to a guy who, you know, he was totally a fan of alcohol and he would like to go to bars and he would drink beer and, and so on and so forth. <clears throat> and he had trouble going to some of these establishments because, you know, people would go there and smoke cannabis and he just didn't want to be around it. So I think, you know, uh, you know, people having, you know, good manners and uh, respecting the rights of others also plays into this, you know, because that's one of the arguments you hear from the like anti-cannabis folks that, you know, I don't want to be out in public and be accosted with the smoke and so on and so forth of some somebody smoking a joint or something. And, you know, it's, it's regardless fair. of what category we're in, you know, our rights end where the others, you know, nose begins in a sense. So I think it's in, kind of incumbent on all the, say, the cannabis crowd also to, you know, be respectful of the other citizens and what <laughs> their wishes are and their rights and so forth. So it kind of cuts both ways, too. I, you are tiptoeing into a philosophical conversation that I want to have right now. We, Do it. Yes. We, this idea of privacy and public space, and if you are on your own land, can you publicly consume? And so right now we are saying that by the nose, that sense, the sense of smell is, some, is seemingly some kind of thing that offends someone else. So it can go, does sight go into that? Does observational privacy exist here? Well, you know, and that's the, you know, we're kind of in, uh, as, as, as uh, you know, James Kirk discovered, the undiscovered country. Cannabis, the green frontier. These are the voyages of the far north tokers. Its mission since 2015 to explore new strains and seek out new retail and new cultivation. To boldly go where no toker has gone before. Yes. So, kind of kind of figuring this out you know but I think that's where instead of fighting with each other I mean I think it's important to sit down and reasonably discuss such issues you know and kind of work with our neighbors and you know those that are concerned and so forth I mean because you know I'll be honest I mean for me I'm sure it's the same for you to go to a particular space and uh, you know in public and be kind of accosted by people who've been drinking too much yes you know I don't need that you know, no. so, I mean, it kind of, it, it applies in a lot of different situations. So, you know, I guess we're going to find that, you know, middle ground at some point where, you know, uh, each person is, you know, respectful of the other kind of thing. So, you know, I think it's, it, it really boils down to the basic idea of just being a good neighbor. Somebody says, hey, you know, whatever, you know, maybe we should talk to each other and work something out kind of thing. Opposed to one of the things that libertarians are just not into at all is I have a problem with my neighbor, so I need a, there ought to be a law to force them to do whatever. And we can really solve that on an individual level instead of turning it into, you know, draconian laws to solve these problems, you know, yeah, and that's my... Hopefully you can. A lot you know, of time, you, do you think it works all the time? Not all, it can't work all the time like that. That's what I always get afraid of. You hear someone, um, your neighbor's causing trouble and to go over and talk to them a hard thing to do and worried about if they're going to say something bad back or cause you damage injury somehow well, it, it does take a certain amount of courage that's certainly Ooh. true i mean i'll give you a perfect example uh we had a, a nearby neighbor who uh his rather large dog got loose and killed five of our chickens and mm. you know he was got on facebook and was cracking jokes about you know hey the chicken he 
roughed up some chickens and so on and so forth. But we got in touch with the guy directly and said, hey, what are we going to do about these chickens? And actually had him come over to the house. And what do you know? He was just a super guy. You know, and we, we worked it out, you know, even though it was a trespass, so to speak. But it's like the old biblically inclined folks, you know, forgive those who trespass against us and so forth. Yeah, it takes courage. But uh, if you invoke the government hammer, it's going to hit the nail. You know, not every problem is a nail that requires a, ham requires a hammer, you know. Crying at the doorsteps of those armies of salvation. Wasting time in the unemployment line. Getting, getting back to the idea of wanting leaders to run and liberty minded people. One of, gotta be the most famous libertarian, Ron Paul. And sure. That's, that's where I met you in the Ron Paul campaign. And one of the things that he was saying a lot was he's just there to stop all the laws maybe undo some of them but just stop them don't don't pass all these laws so getting getting involved just to stop it some slow it down maybe even a little well and that's uh you know sometimes initially that's probably going to be the function of a lot of initial libertarians getting into seats is just being that no vote to say well you know actually no we're not going to do that you know what if the government actually didn't do anything you know, what would happen? It's like, are you familiar with Stubbs the Cat? No. Well, basically, you know, one of the Alaskan cities, they elected a cat as mayor. Oh, okay. You know, literally yeah. elected him. And there was no law against it. And he was the lo most libertarian mayor ever because he <laughs> left everyone alone. You know? Ah, <laughs> uh, that's great. So, so, yeah, so look him up. You know, it's pretty awesome. And I, and I think, you know, many of the um, actual politicians would do well to... To emulate him I mean you hear about at the highest levels of government we have to do something which means we're gonna impose a law that forces people to do things how about like you exactly like you say how about we undo something you know take some kind of onerous thing off people's backs remove some sort of ridiculous tax you know and on and on you know so uh, uh, kind of deconstructing all of this because you know it just it's like the, that 50s movie, The Blob, you know? Mm -hmm. It just keeps getting bigger and bigger and bigger, you know? So we need to trim it down to size. And, you know, sometimes people on the left, when you say, oh, shrink government, they get all nervous and excited because they think, oh, well, that means take away services and all of that. Well, you know, honestly, there's so much stuff at an administrative level happening in there or sweetheart deals or this, that, or the other special interests they really have nothing to do with it's interesting the conversation starts with oh we're gonna we're gonna cut loose the firemen and the teachers and you know all of that level of service and that's just not really where the problem is uh, that may be off the, the cannabis subject a little uh -huh. bit but you know the bigger it's the government freedom. gets the more it controls all of the aspects of our life including what we feel like doing for relaxing after work or whatever just scaling it back a good direction to take just one giant thing I can think of is the descheduling of cannabis federally. I mean, the science does not support uh, its status. And uh -huh. there's many people with a lot more letters behind their name than I have that uh, support that opinion. Law enforcement officials, maybe you're familiar with the example of Portugal. I mean, when they decriminalize all of their drugs there, all of them, uh, instead of taking that money 
uh, towards violence and throwing people in cages and, you know, draconian law enforcement. Uh, they turned it towards helping people out because, I mean, there's some science behind it. I mean, they've had, you know, actual, you know, science uh, double blind studies with uh, rodents and things like that. If they put them in a crappy environment, they could put some kind of drug in there and they'll they'll consume it until they die. But if they put them in a really nice environment, they're like, hey, I don't need this. I got other things to do, you know. And so it is with people. They jump into a pill or a bottle or whatever because their life is terrible. So how about, you know, use it for a positive solution? And again, Portugal, in things like heroin and so forth, they've reduced the addiction rates 50%. How about, like Ron Paul said, you know, if a person has a, a medical problem, an addiction and so forth, let's, uh, let's help them in that kind of a fashion instead of bludgeoning them and punishing them some more when they're already challenged. But let's take it a step further. With cannabis, for example, I mean... There's been all kinds of science out there about the positive things it can do. And the Schedule 1 puts it in the category of no medical use. And that's just simply not true. Have you heard of that uh, spice business, that synthetic marijuana? Oh, yeah. Bad stuff. Well, you know where that came from? You know, basically, that came from the pharmaceutical industry said, hey, looks like we're getting some real positive uh, results with these cannabinoids and so forth. How about we come up with some synthetic substances that we can patent, because we can't really patent a plant, even though the FDA has one, um, on, on can- cannabinoids. But anyways, um, then we can make lots of money, right? And it's not scheduled and so on and so forth. And they found all kinds of terrible side effects and, you know, the issues that you see with spice happening out there. And then, of course, you've got your, you know, Heisenberg chemistry teacher that comes along and says, hey, we can make a profit off this and so forth. And uh, uses it, you know, basically with a kind of a a, a bad intent and so forth. And uh, the fact is, if actual cannabis itself was descheduled, that would have never existed. They could have used it, again, for various medical purposes. I'm sure you've seen articles on uh, the relief of seizures and, you know, other medical treatments and so forth. So uh, really special interest is at the heart of why, you know, cannabis is scheduled the way it is and has been treated the way it is and honestly you know let's go back in history um you know they wanted the plains indians to go away by eradicating the buffalo you know they wanted the mestizos and the mexican migrants to go away by eliminating marijuana and of course the you know black americans they wanted to uh you know uh, oppress them with the uh marijuana laws and so forth too 1938 testimony to Congress from Henry Anslinger, the first commissioner of the Federal Bureau of Narcotics. Most marijuana smokers are Negroes, Hispanics, Filipinos, and entertainers. Their satanic music, jazz, and swing result from marijuana usage. The marijuana causes white women to seek sexual relations with Negroes, entertainers, and any others. So, you know, honestly, there's so many agendas involved with cannabis that are way that have nothing to do with the actual medical uses for it or the actual effect on individuals and so forth and then you get your imposed morality issues and stuff people judging what other people's life ought to be and you know we need to just cut through all of that and i think you guys especially have really done and your show for example has really done an outstanding effort at showing things as they are you know and making Uh, decisions based on actual fact and medical evidence 
uh, as opposed to, you know, hysteria, hysteria and reefer madness and so forth, you know? So, so and we libertarians, again, want people to get to make those decisions for themselves as opposed to, you know, an, an, an agenda-driven statist kind of solution. And with so, cannabis legalization, it proves that we that we can change the momentum of something. It's been right. illegal for um, what, I guess going on. Yeah, you know. So how? It's the 30s, 40s. Yeah. Oh wow! So when we prove as a as an industry, as a culture, that you can change something, I never thought. Never thought. I thought. Well, I thought I'd be an old man that old man time when the, the kids are getting to do it uh, never thought in in my lifetime I'd be seeing this happen the way it is thank God for the Republic it's just like the Soviets and the Cold War and the fall of the Berlin Wall I mean I watched all of that happen I mean when the Polish had their solidarity movement and they said you know we're just not doing this communist business anymore period <laughs> you know so when people get to a point they say you know we're not we're just not doing this anymore so it is with cannabis, so it will be with gun control, so it will be with so many other issues uh, hierarchies want to impose on the individual. Don't you know, talking about a revolution sounds yes, Who are people going to rise up get And as people wake up to their power as individuals, you know, more and more of this stuff is going to happen. And honestly, I think it scares the heck out of you know long-standing uh, power structures because people are starting to figure that out at all levels in all topics yes. and we you know again libertarians we're you know at the at the pointy end of that spear and so are you guys and you know a lot of others when you talk about declassifying cannabis and you undo something as maybe a libertarian might try to do undo law how and those old tide structures that pulled down so many institutions uh the insurance uh pharmaceuticals education police that's it's you pull one thing away and it unravels so many other well that's true and so when you have all these vested interests i mean you can absolutely count on them uh you know resisting that change but, you know, how many buggy whip manufacturers do you have around these days, you know, when they invented the combustion engine? They, they eventually, they just go away. I mean, the tide goes out and the culture changes. I mean, honestly, it's, it's cyclical. I mean, before the turn of the 1900s, uh, you could go down to a general store and buy cocaine and buy uh, heroin and buy this, that, and the other. And was the sky falling? Were dogs sleeping with cats? Were all these terrible things happening? No because people just use their brains. They said, hey, you know, how about, you know, you just use good judgment and don't do that, you know? <laughs> so we don't need a law to tell us, you know? You know? That whole idea of leisure time now that we have, we have time to just sit around and maybe just get high. Where back in the 1900s, you're working so hard. You can't be... Perhaps. Yeah, you waste your life away or you die. No one's gonna save you. No one's gonna save you then. You know, so basically our uh, strategy is kind of a three-pronged one as far as libertarians go. I mean, one, uh, previously and other, you know, uh, uh, 
boards, libertarian boards that have, have been out there. I mean, they've kind of tried to keep everything centralized, you know, in control of things, which is, you know, kind of less than libertarian, if you ask me. I mean, our approach now is to spread it everywhere and have the people that are out in their various villages and uh, all across Alaska be, you know, captains of their own destiny and have their own affiliates out there and so forth. And then secondly, is to, at all levels, particularly at the local level, get uh, libertarians sitting in seats that can actually make a difference when it comes time to vote in the whole democratic defense process to say, well, no, actually, we're going we're gonna to take away that law, not add more laws, kind of thing. And then the third part is to take people who are already sitting in the seats of whatever persuasion they are. It doesn't matter if they're Democrat, Republican, right, left, whatever. When they have their light come on, when they understand that, oh, dang, I'm a libertarian. I don't believe in making people do stuff. I think people should be left alone. And I think uh, people have a right to, you know, make their own decisions and own themselves. I'm going to turn from a Republican into a libertarian or a Democrat into a libertarian. And we're going to convert uh, the remainder, or many as we can out there. And pretty soon, you know, they'll be looking around and saying, oh, gosh, there's libertarians everywhere. So. What are we going to do? Oh, we're going to take over the state and we're going to leave everyone alone. That's what we're going to do. So that's our uh, strategy at this point. And what an what an on-off switch, huh? Uh, the the force or not force. And you exactly. you grow up thinking that you just build laws, and if you don't have something the way you're lucky, you go up the chain of command and you change rules. And the idea of uh, maybe just not force people to do things. Exactly. You know, imagine what would happen <laughs> if we didn't use force. You know. <laughs> We didn't make people do stuff. Would they be able to make decisions on their own? You know, I mean, you have the, uh, are you familiar with Keynesian uh, um, economics? Yes. And then, of course, you've got uh, Austrian economics or free market economics, for example. Yeah, I was you know, dosed in Ron Paul times. Right, you know, and, you know, uh, uh, von Mises and, you know, Rothbard and a lot of those guys. But uh, I, was, I was in a bank and I'm looking at the ticker you know, that says these various factoids while you're waiting to, you know, get your money out or whatever. And it says $55 trillion changes hands every day across the world. And I thought about that. It's like, wow, that's a huge number. And then I thought about the budget of the United States government, let's say. And let's say we only got way conservatively $1 trillion uh, uh, a day that was involved in these transactions out of the 55. That's $365 trillion. You look at the budget, and what do you got? $2 trillion, and most of that is committed. I mean, you've got, you know, maybe 25%, 20% of that that you could actually do some, something with. And so you've got this huge river of money that maybe with, you know, $250 billion, you're expecting to change the course of $365 trillion. It's like spitting in a river and trying to change the course. It's not going to happen. So it is with all the decisions that everybody makes every day you know they call it you know the invisible hand of the market it's going to be the invisible hand of the cannabis it's going to be the invisible hand of the gun owner it's going to be the invisible hand of who i'm going to marry and on and on the central planners you know i don't care what geniuses you put in that those seats they're not going to be able to make those changes people are going to do what they want you know and it's like the 10th amendment you just nullify it by not complying with it what are you going to do you know nothing Right. We're going to press on and we're going to live our lives. So it is, you know, and so so I, like I said, I'm, I'm crazy excited about the, the the times that these are happening, because 
you know, when my children enjoy more freedoms than their children, and, you know, you, you get them out of these government indoctrination centers, you know, whether they call them public schools or whether they call them universities, people will be able to think for themselves and understand these things. It's just going to change, and, the, and there's nothing they can do about it, you know, simple as that. So I'm in, I, I really, really enjoy being part of that process, you know, a small part, you know, uh, I'm doing what I can, but it's just everybody together, that river, that course, that the course won't be changed. You know, all these things are going to happen. So, so there you go. Liberty is contagious. It is. One of the things I was looking up when I was just looking up about libertarianism, uh, the war on drugs and Nixon, and then the party, the libertarian party is started as a, a, as a result of Nixon policies and Vietnam and uh, uh, conscription and the war on drugs get started. So it ties right in perfectly to their, their creation is against all these government overreaches, war on drugs, which is completely failing, and uh, their creation. Right, and that, you know, it, I mean, it, it, it was perfect timing for that. I mean, because people people realize that, uh, you know, that they're just they're just not going to go along with these kinds of things. So, but it has been going on. A lot of these things have been going on way too long. I mean, heck, look at the wars we're in now. I mean, I spent twenty five years in the military, and you know, uh, I think you know one of the things Ron Paul said. He said it's the greatest disrespect to military members to use them in conflicts other than the defense of the United States. Hmm. And honestly, in the last several decades, that's all they've been used for in things other than the defense of the United States. I mean, you can get into the whole, you know, 9-11 conspiracy, whether you think it is, think it isn't. But the fact is, you know, the situations in the Mideast, Mideast are worse because we went out there, you know, went over there and, and started fiddling around with it much to the harm of, of other humans that live out there, you know? So, you know, I think we do better to just, you know, kind of mind our own business, you know, and uh, you know, uh, uh, basically bring everybody home. And then, of course, you hear this whole thing going on with Korea. It's, right. uh, you know, it boggles the mind. Don't get me started about the set central banks. You know, I mean, if you're a really good uh, video to watch is The uh, Hidden Secrets of Money by Mike Maloney. And uh, he's a you know gold investment kind of guy, and it's not a sales pitch, but uh, uh, episode four it talks about how you know debt and uh, the uh, the Fed and uh, various other uh, uh, mechanisms work. And when you kind of understand what really goes on with our monetary process. I think locally, you know, if people, you know, uh, pursue their their freedom and support it and get out there and get involved in whatever way they like to, uh, it'll change. I mean, it's just a, a, a sea of actions that can't be, you know, controlled by, you know, central planning geniuses or their, you know, minions. So when the principle of liberty wins, everyone wins. It doesn't have to be the, the small, your small little project. Everyone's small little project wins when liberty wins. That's what's, True that's what's so beautiful about liberty. What do you think about a cannabis bank? The idea that it's so hard for um, cannabis businesses to get banking. Well, why don't they just start their own? Would central banks <laughs> have a problem with that? Well, 
you know, it has to do with the federal laws that are making that happen and so forth. But, but you know, the, the tide is going out on that. I, I think at some point it's going to change and see what, what, what could very well happen, you know, is that other systems will take its place. I mean, it's like the black market. When you say, oh, you can't sell this or that, it's going to show up on the black market. And it creates, you know, cartels and so forth. I mean, and basically when whatever you make is illegal, there's going to be some people who really don't care about laws that they're going to do it illegally. And, of course, they're going to have all the violence and, you know, uh, bad things that go with that. So, I mean, something will take its place, you know, and they'll figure out ways to do that. And, of course, you know, I've, I, and maybe you're more familiar with this than I. Uh, they have, um, like, for instance, the, 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 the cannabis businesses and so forth that have large amounts of cash. I mean, I'm hearing across the country uh, in Colorado and Washington and other places that, you know, getting robbed is a, is a problem, you know, for them. Is that is that true? It, it definitely is true. I, everyone knows that you can't do anything with the cash. I mean, where, where are you going to put the cash? That's so, a whole cash business. So, yeah, you get big safes. You either keep it at your place or get it out or, uh, yeah, don't want to go into too many business plans, but business model yeah. but yeah it's a cash business so it it is it is unsafe the it's it's <laughs> unsafe for cannabis employees to be in that situation where there's high amounts of cash around well you know and there could be a free market opportunity for uh you know cannabis security uh entrepreneurs you know they could say okay we got this for you and have some sf guys taking care of your stuff you know <laughs> I, so. think, I think there is. Um, oh, I can't think of their. I can't think of their names right now. But there, there is one that runs um, testing samples down and runs cannabis down to other, other cities in Alaska right now. Can't think of what their name is right now. Yeah, and as far as the the money itself, you know, and whatever you know, security needs you might need. I, I'm sure there's a there's a niche in there somewhere, you know, for, for that kind of thing. But eventually, I think. You know, honestly, the the banks themselves and those vested interests at higher levels, especially when you start seeing the volumes and the amount of money that you're that's happening, in like Colorado and some of these lead states here, um, it's uh, not good business to uh, not allow the banks to get involved in that. So eventually, you know, the people with the pull will make those changes because they just want a piece of that money. You know, that's what's going to happen. Yes, they are going to want a piece of the money. That's what they're saying. I, we've got this money. Why won't you take it? Why won't you take it? People's bank accounts getting closed. I know that's happening locally. Just being associated with cannabis at all. Finally the tables are starting to turn. Three topics here. Ask a libertarian. I think I know how you're going to decide on these, but... What do you, right now, these are current issues in the cannabis industry. So, limits on THC. Right now, um, you are allowed to purchase up to one ounce of flour. Um, 5,600 milligrams of edibles, which is a giant number. It's a lot. A lot of, you're walking out of there with the grocery bag full. Um... And I, I don't know how much you, I guess a gram, I don't know how much you can buy of concentrated. It's not my expertise. Maybe four grams, six grams. I should know this, definitely. But um, what do you think about that limit first? Do you think you should be able to buy whatever you want? 
Well, from a libertarian perspective, you know, the consumer gets to decide that, right? Right, exactly. However, you know, you've got the, uh, uh, you know, various constituencies in the community, and they're going to want to say, okay, well, if we put a limit on it, at least we can say we got our pound of flesh and that we, we tried and limited this and so on and so forth. But honestly, a grocery bag of whatever, oh, well, you know, the consumer is going to do that, you know? <laughs> I mean, they're going to say, hey, I'm going to go... Like when you go to, when you go to the liquor store, let's say, you know, if a person wants to do that, I mean, do you go buy twenty eight cases of beer every time you go there? No, you buy a six pack, right? And that's what people are going to do, right? Exactly, you know, yes, 100%. So it's going to be self limiting, really, and you know, you don't need those kinds of impositions to make decisions for people. I think generally they're going to make the, you know, decisions that work for them, which you know, uh, high volumes like that aren't just just aren't part of that maybe they're so looking at kind of, as i'm thinking about like, it now diversion like they're looking at it maybe it's going to like underage kids or like into um dry areas maybe that's maybe that's you know if you're taking more than well you, can smoke. you know truth be told i mean there there is a certain amount of that in the lower 48 where they're sure. going from legal states to you know not legal states and so forth and so but again the market's going to do what the market's going to do you can sit there and put your laws on it all you want but uh people will you know take whatever level of risk i mean maybe you've seen those shows where they say okay and i can make six hundred thousand dollars in a month you know they're going to do that you know so the whole thing about you're going to control people with laws is uh you know a fantasy really people will take the risks you know so why not just not have those laws and let uh, you know let the market work it out and you know I'm sure in support of government I mean who doesn't want good schools and who want health care and all these other things I mean there's potential solutions in all of this for those kinds of problems you know why not let it happen instead of getting all you know proclaimed uh, uh, about it nice. you know? oh I love this I love this okay next uh, limits on um, milligrams of THC in edibles like right now they are only uh, allowing five milligrams of THC in an edible one a serving and then it's going to be 10 um, 50 in a package in other states that's legal cannabis is 100 milligrams max and 10 milligrams a piece so as ask a libertarian um, should there be limits on milligrams of can of THC in edibles well here's the thing can a person buy 50 packages uh, yeah you just defeated that whole limit I know you know I mean honestly so um, I, I think what is a other really than they idea. put the economic restraint on it they make it uh, cost restrictive right you know but I think um, what is a good thing in all of that, and I think that can be driven by both the consumers and by the uh, uh, retailers, is, you know, uh, transparency and, and clarity in their products so that people know what they're getting and what the levels are and so forth. Because let's be honest, I mean, back in the 70s when I was like a surfer and all of this, uh, you know, marijuana was entirely different than what it is now. 
you know, and the concentrations you get and so forth. Marijuana is now legal in Alaska. Here's what you need to know. The legal age for use is 21. Marijuana can affect people differently based on body type and history of use. It can take a while for the full effects to kick in, especially with food and drinks made with marijuana. These aren't your grandma's brownies. Today's THC levels can be a lot higher. Steer clear if you're pregnant or breastfeeding. Careful with cannabis edibles. They look like treats, but will make little ones sick. Learn more at marijuana.dhss.alaska.gov. But I think if people are, you know, informed of the product they're buying, I mean, that's kind of where the libertarian folks stop regulating things. You know, the people get to know. Education. You know, and then, you know, education and so forth, and then they make their decisions from there. But as far as these, you know, arbitrary limits, I mean, people can defeat that. I mean, they'll just buy more. And, you know, what difference does it make, you know? Right. Next, limits on licenses. Can you defeat that? Well, that just puts it under the, into the underground, right? So right now, there is no limit on the amount of licenses you can have in the state, borough, unless a city has opted out. But there is talk among people saying, well, wait a minute, you know, are we just going to keep on letting licenses pass? Are we just going to keep on letting them happen? So should we limit the amount? Which It's very different in Alaska. Alaska has not limited at all, and I think it's because of the liberty-minded... Uh, feel of Alaska and so what do you think should we limit the licenses cannabis licenses well I think a better way of phrasing it is rather than should we it's like can we (laughs) (laughs) no so like you say you know they can put whatever laws they want on the books and say oh we're going to limit this that and the other and then the underground the black market is going to do what it wants you know and it's going to step aside not only that but the taxes that these various uh you know, uh, power structures want or need to, you know, continue to do what they want to do. So they're they're basically cutting off their nose to spite their face on this. The the individuals will go ahead and do what they want to do anyway. Uh, you know, and they'll accept whatever level of risk is involved in that. But that's how it's going to actually work. And sure, there'll be a certain amount that'll be caught or, you know, whatever. But you know, that's going to be how it's going to work. So honestly, they might as well just go with you know, the benefit side of, of it, the upside of it, instead of trying to, you know, suppress it and so forth. So so bottom line, that's just not going to work. You've got North Pole, they opted out, and you've got Kevin McCarthy of North Pole City Council sitting there saying, why did we do this? We just lost out on all that money. If they just moved right outside the borough or right outside the city limits. You know, North Pole's not that big. Vegas, they're having a supply shortage because the way uh, things are being dealt with, the way their laws are, the way alcohol business controls distribution, and they're passing emergency legislation to get this through so they can get their money for schools. So people that are getting that money are enjoying the money that's coming, that's for sure. Well, putting it to good use, I would say. You know, I mean, I I think that's that's okay if everybody kind of agrees with that. You know, so... uh, you know, like I said, uh, the positive benefits for the individual and for the community, I mean, I think it's really more beneficial to, you know, emphasize that and act on that rather than, you know, trying to put the genie back in the bottle or the tube back in the toothpaste. It's not going to happen. Deal with the issues that occur instead of trying to pre- uh, yeah, prevent, and then you prevent through dealing right. with the issues. And then if actual, as opposed to perceived, harm is created, fix that, you know. Oh, actual versus perceived harm. Beautiful. That gets back to the observational privacy. If someone's looking in your yard and they see that you're naked, is that um, 
public nudity or if some they could look the other direction right do you have to cover that same way with well with cannabis that, and, you know and that and that goes to the issue of you know you hear the the pejorative snowflake term about you know people that are offended by certain things and you know they believe they're harmed by it and you know, various agencies have to take action because they're offended and so on and so forth. I mean, honestly, at a certain point, sticks and stones may break my bones, but a naked guy in the next door yard cannot harm me, you know? So it's like, get over it already, you know? I mean, take a break. You know, people make a career out of being offended for this and that, you know? I mean, you know, did they actually harm you? I guess really when it comes down to it, you know, if you want to bring it to a lawsuit, you know, the people who get to decide that are those on the jury. Did they get harmed? Yes, no. You know, so I think not a lot of these cases. Okay, I smelled it. Did that harm me? Well, there's all kinds of noxious things in our uh, uh, world that, that, you know, are offensive, you know, and so forth. But do we make laws to stop that? I mean, you know, at what level does it become? You know, I mean, there's a, you know, libertarians will talk about the non-aggression principle and like how much pollution that goes into your property or wafts into your air, you know, is actual harm to you. You know, there's a proportionality to it. You know, not just a perception, but a measurable amount, you know, that any reasonable, say, jury would be able to make a decision on, right? So, you know, reality factors in there as well as, you know, what I'd like reality to be, you know? Right. Last one, last Ask a Libertarian question. On-site consumption. Right now, it's a big issue right now. People sitting on the board, the the CCB, are really nervous about being first. So let's just let other states do it. And I'm just like, go, why are we so concerned? Let's be first. And uh, on-site consumption. Uh, should we have on-site consumption? Well, and I testified some time ago about, you know, the idea when it was kind of first being brought up and the licenses were first happening and so forth and it's like I could go down to a say bar in Fairbanks and get you know three Long Island iced teas and perhaps be a harm to myself and others and that's perfectly fine but the perception of possible harm relative to cannabis is a no-go it's like come on guys you know let's what's actually happening here and you know okay I agree that you know, you don't want to impose it on certain, like, neighborhoods and things like that. I mean, you know, it would probably be in areas that are already, you know, that have, uh, you know, drinking establishments and other things like that. But once you get to that level, I mean, show me the actual harm that's created as opposed to perceived harm. And uh, that's really where the rubber meets the road. And it's really not a perceived harm. I, I was in the military in Germany, and I went to Amsterdam, and I went to those coffee shops there. Right. And, uh, you know, I didn't partake, of course, because I was a military member. But I mean, of course, it's a curiosity to anyone. They want to go see it. And, you know, people were there enjoying themselves, you know, drinking coffee and smoking cannabis and so on and so forth. And it wasn't ghettofying the area and it wasn't harming the community and so on and so forth. So, you know, I'm somewhat skeptical about these folks that say bad things are going to happen. You notice how these dire consequences are always predictive. It's going to happen in the future sometime, you know, but in actual, you know, uh, situations that I've seen, that wasn't the case. You know, it was just guys hanging out, relaxing, doing what they felt like doing, and nobody really cared, you know, and nothing was really harmed. So I think that would be exactly the case with this. As I said in that previous testimony, 
uh, I think the biggest problem you're going to have to worry about is the uh, coming pizza shortage. <laughs> right. <laughs> First, let me start off by saying I don't have a dog in this fight, per se. I'm not a business owner. I have no interest in that. I'm not a cannabis consumer. I haven't in all of my productive adult life. And uh, but what I do see here and what my interest is, is from a libertarian perspective, that uh, adults in, in a free society get to make their own decisions. I mean, they don't need a mom and a dad to, to make those decisions for them. Now, I'll take uh, the ordinance itself and look from uh, line 22 through 27, where it talks about the intoxicating effects. And me, myself, I consume alcohol now and then. I have a beer or so. And my rule is, if I have one, I don't drive. Period. Designated driver, some other means. Uh, so a person's faced with the same decision at one of these clubs. And let's say you don't have these clubs. Let's say a person's at home. They can consume it at home, and they're in exactly the same situation. If they decided to leave somewhere, they're forced with making a responsible decision. Um, and I noticed enthusiastically earlier that we were approving liquor licenses for various businesses that consume on site, and you can get exactly a very similar level of effects with one or two Long Island iced teas that are served in every bar in town. So, you know, it seems to be a disparity in the standards here. Now, when you compare vices, which is really what we're talking about, let me give you some, some perspective on that from a guy named Lysander Spooner in an essay called Vices Are Not Crimes, A Vindication of Moral Liberty. Vices are those acts by which a man harms himself or his property. Crimes are those acts by which one man harms the person or property of another. Vices are simply errors which a man makes in his search after his own happiness. Unlike crimes, they imply no malice toward others and no interference with their persons or property. In vices, the very essence of crime, that is, the design to injure the person or property of another, is wanting. It's a maximum of the law that there can be no crime without a criminal intent, that is, without the intent to invade the person or property of another. But no one ever practices a vice with any such criminal intent. He practices his vice for his own happiness solely and not from any malice towards others. Unless this clear distinction between vices and crimes be made and recognized by the laws, there can be on earth no such thing as individual right, liberty, or property. No such things as the right of one man to live in control of his own person and property, and the corresponding and co-equal rights of another man to the control of his own person and property. So on that note, there does seem to be a double standard here. You know, alcohol establishments are as frequent as the nearest street corner, Yet, marijuana use does not lead to violence, domestic abuse, overdose deaths, or sexual assault. It's time to stop punishing adults uh, who seem to be making a safer choice here. This uh, uh, ordinance appears inequitable and superstitious. Uh, all of my working life, it's been economically rewarding to uh, you know, not consume marijuana, and I've made that choice, but I'm not going to take my values and force them on others through law, and I think it really would be wise. So, in closing, uh, I, I predict through all of this, when it's all said and done, our largest future challenge will be dealing with the coming pizza shortage. So, you know, so I think it's a lot of, uh, you know, 
hysteria and hand-wringing, really. It is that, that self-ownership idea that you have the right to do to your body what you want to do. But you must be responsible for your actions. If you eat too much and get too heavy, you got to be responsible for eating too much being health, uh, being unhealthy. If you smoke cigarettes, if you... If you smoke cannabis and blow it in your next door neighbor's face, you have to take responsibility for what might be coming at you. Um, the, that's that part, taking responsibility. If you have the power of self-ownership, are you able to take responsibility for that? Well, and that's a requirement. You know, with liberty and freedom, you know, the part that people forget about is the responsibility that goes with it. You know, you have the responsibility to respect the people around you. You have the responsibility to consider their, you know, feelings and how they feel about certain issues and so forth. And, you know, I kind of boil it back. And one of the things I'm really trying to emphasize with the, you know, Libertarian Party in general is have some class, you know, treat people with respect around you. And I think you end up getting the same in return, you know. So a lot of that can be approached from that angle. I mean, just uh, just be a good person, you know, and, and I think the rest will sort it out. Yeah, well said. Um Let's finish with how do we get involved here? How do we get involved in Fairbanks? It was super easy for me to change to Libertarian. I did it uh, a few months ago. I finally did it. I changed to be Republican to follow Ron Paul and finally got around to making a phone call. And it was as simple as that. Done. Well, I think one of the things that's you know helpful for everybody is is a, a, a big presence, and, and you've seen it, is out on Facebook. You know, we have a Interior Alaska Facebook page, and we have a, a, a board meeting that we're getting ready to have this weekend over uh, Zoom. It's kind of a teleconferencing uh, software that's going to be uh, for any Libertarian members. I'll send you a link if you want to, you know, listen in on it. Uh, but, yeah, we have to... You know, I'll schedule a new meeting for the for the local area. But the, the intent is to have everybody in every community have a, you know, kind of group they meet with and just talk about libertarian stuff and ideas and, you know, candidates getting into offices and, you know, cutting down the 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 beanstalk, as Frank Turney would say, you know, <laughs> oh, yes. and so, you know, uh, you know, those kinds of things. So, yeah. So I'll also send you, you know, something on the next meeting locally that, you know, people could just stop in on. And it's not. You know, it's not a pressure thing. I mean, it's just a, you know, share these ideas and, you know, each person can kind of, you know, follow their heart as to where things ought to go. And I think the rest just kind of falls into place. That's great. Well, John, uh, anything else that you want to share before we get out of here? It's been great. Well, yeah, you know, awesome. I mean, so in, in all areas of people's life, whether it's, you know, hobbies or interests or uh, uh, lifestyles or whatever it is they want to do, uh, you know, just be free. You know, I want this to be able to say, you know, with, uh, you know, intuitive knowledge that, hey, it's a free country, you know, do what you want to do, you know, and that's what your show and I think what Libertarians you know, are really all about. So like you say, it's a natural fit. Yes. Uh, I, I'll, I'll end on this idea that John Adams talking about posterity, that he'll roll over in his grave if, if we do not appreciate, you know, give half of what what they did um, for our, our freedom that we have. Right. So, you know, 
John's starting to get some high RPMs about now. (laughs) He is. He would rev up about cannabis, I think. He would totally support cannabis, even if he, and he wouldn't be a smoker, I don't think, but he would have supported it. Well, and back then, I mean, that was a huge part of the economy. Yeah, hemp. You know, and it was used for various purposes, medicinal purposes and otherwise back then. So, you know, uh, the, the, the villain that has been turned into is just not not reality no, right you know right in washington's uh journals he's talking about separating the male and female plants so that's awesome i mean he's doing he knows what he's doing back then all right john let freedom ring man let freedom ring uh, yeah and keep doing what you're doing you know we're we're, we're making progress here yes self-determination self-actualization just do it just participate get involved do it Thanks again for coming on. Uh, thanks for the thanks for the opportunity. Yeah, we'll get together in person too. You bet. All right, see you, John. Take care. Hey, hey! Thank you for joining us on Barnard Toker. You can listen to more episodes on SoundCloud and BarnardToker.com. Like me on Facebook. Search Nit Token. Here's Token. Say it.